John David. JD! Hey, Bo, good afternoon, man. Good afternoon to you, too, sir. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great, bud. It's good to be here. Good to good to sit with you in yeah. person and uh, man, be talking pipes and pipe tobacco. Yeah. No, it's always, you know, it's funny because, like, you think about how things come to be, right? And in this show, we've got, you know, so many kind of inside jokes and lore and everything that's kind of been established <laughs> over the years. And I mean, like, we always start off the show the same way, right? You know, you know. Yeah. Welcome to Country Radio. John David, you know, right. like the whole thing. Bubble, bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what's funny is over time, whenever I go JD, I'm always just like, I, like in my head, I'm always like that kid in the candy store, like JD. You know, like, like so excited and there's a lot of truth in that i'm always excited to be with you and, and too, uh, man. on the show and, and talking some good uh just honestly just uh, to be honest like for me i just like talking to you man yeah. I, I miss you and it's always good to it like, gives us a chance with. to catch up and yeah. you know be in the same space and um and enjoy each other's company and so yeah it's a it's in some senses it's a good excuse for that yeah, yeah. i've got a question because um you know this is a pipe smoking one-on-one kind of episode it's yeah. always one for kind of newer listeners and uh specifically newer pipe smokers and you know our pipe smoking one-on-one series is always one that kind of captures the attention of those newer pipe smokers who are coming in so i think it's good to kind of establish a couple things off the bat yeah for those newer pipe smokers uh for one thing you and i were uh, as we're recording right now we're in new orleans but uh, you you know the the country squire is a pipe to Backness in Jackson, Mississippi. You yourself have been in this industry for goodness gracious. How long has it been? It's been over 10 years now. Yeah, it's yeah. been over a decade. Yeah. I need to actually, I always forget. I need to like go back on the calendar and, you know, find my start date and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I'm curious for you coming into the industry, you know, as kind of a, you know, what, what were you like? You were shining people's shoes in the back corner. How did how exactly did you stumble your way into this? Pretty much. I, I mean, well, I was a seminary student. That's right. right. And yeah. I mean, I just needed a part-time job to pay my bills. And yeah, I went in there and, and asked for a job and they were foolish enough to hire me. And here we are. <laughs> 10, 10 or 11 years later, yeah. And not just that, but over the course, you weren't just managing the shop, now owning the shop. You were blending pipe tobacco. You yeah, were somebody sure. who really had a love and appreciation for uh, the craft and who has come up with some very, at this point, celebrated pipe tobaccos in the industry. Folks that people are clamoring to get a hold of these days, shutting down your website, trying to get a hold of. Yeah, they did that. Yeah. And so I just, I, I think it's good to kind of, you know, we don't, we don't often do this, especially with pipe smoking one-on-one episodes, but I think it's important for us to do it that while, you know, I come to this as an, as an enthusiast, you come to this as a professional. True. And so when we're talking about kind of these one-on-one type episodes, these best practices, there's there's some uh, there's some caliber not behind my side of the mic but behind <laughs> your side of the mic. Yeah, you always have caliber. Well, um, no, just, it, it's it 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 does make a little sense and it's some something we bump into daily how we interact with you know new pipe smokers and the pipe smokers that are uh, more established but you know we have yeah. a love and a tenderness for those pipe smokers that um you know haven't been in the game very long yeah. and are trying to kind of get their wheels under them and, and and figure out you know what direction to go and you know they run into those roadblocks and are like well how do i get around this and and you know hopefully we can help them that's so, right yeah that's exactly right all right so we've covered a lot of things on our pipe smoking one-on-one episode today we're 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 talking about how to pick out your first tin tobacco. Yeah. Now, yeah. so if if you're like me, the first time that you went into a pipe shop and were in over your head yeah. and fell out of place, 
and were shocked by how much money you were going to have to spend to walk out of there with anything that looks, you know, with all the stuff. You left the pipe shop and immediately went to therapy. <laughs> this this is very true. You just uh, you just like put together this terrible sounding experience. And, well, you know, for some people it is. It's for, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. for some people it is. How do and we make it not that way? Yeah. That's that's our goal. But beyond that too is is the reality. I mean, a lot of folks have gone into that space with a lot of preconceptions about what shopping a pipe shop would be yeah, sure. what a pipe shop experience would be. And for most people, when reality steps in, it shatters that and they just feel lost and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And hopefully they've got a great local tobacconist that gets them, pulls them in and, and shows them the ropes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but for a lot of people, that's not the case. And on top of that too, a lot of people, and I could be wrong on this, but a lot of people, I don't think realize that most tobacco shops in America have a lot of loose leaf pipe tobacco. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like they have, like it may not be that maybe they locally blend it, but maybe they don't have the ability to locally blend it as we yeah. know in certain States. That's not, not, not possible. Not even legal. Exactly. Yeah. So, but they do have, I mean, top, they'll, you know, pop up with lane one Q and throw it in a jar and call it, you know, Homer's blend or whatever, you know, like that's, yeah. that's something that, that folks do, but that process is a little daunting. Like, cause they're asking like, how much do you want? A, a, a pipe's worth, you know, like you don't, you don't know. And so I say all that to say this, when you come into that, that first experience and you're looking what pipe tobacco to pick up while most tobacconists are want to hook you up with their, their, their own blends and that sort of thing. And that's good. That's not bad. Uh, you know, country squire will certainly send you home with some, some great home blend house blends for somebody who's just looking for like something, what's standard Picking like starting off with a tin tobacco is not a bad place to start. Yeah. But the question is what tin tobacco you got so many of them out there. Right. We did an episode a while back talking about the various tin arts and that sort of thing. And it was su such a fun episode because we got a chance to review a lot of like our beloved pipe tobaccos and that have, have terrible artwork. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I love this pipe tobacco, but oh yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then you see like some really kind of cool artwork and even yeah. some very modernized artwork that we've talked about in, tobacco talks of the past where the pipe tobacco doesn't not that great it's not that great yeah and so for that new pipe smoker who is looking for like what's just something standard where i don't have to guess the weight of the pipe tobacco because i don't know what i'm trying to do yeah what is the first 10 that i should start up with how do i make that choice yeah and and, and it's hard it, particularly even in the, even if you go into a brick and mortar pipe shop um it, it's difficult because you still can't open the tins yeah. you know you can open the jars perhaps and maybe smell uh this and that if it's a, a blend like you know how we blend in our in our you know environment yeah and i, I realize that that's the case but i have to ask have you ever had anybody do that like bust open a 10 before i have and have I, you were seriously and i've that? and i've been like well you bought that one <laughs> <laughs> is it anybody i know is it no, no not, not a regular not that like i that. not that unfortunately for you because i know you get a lot of mileage out of it no no, no, no I, I don't think so okay all right <laughs> but uh we've even had folks put a cigar in their mouth thinking they were just gonna like try it and i was like well you bought that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My goodness gracious. All it's right. It's like, what are you, uncultured swine? <laughs> it's just crazy. Well, if I'm going to spend $1,000 on this uh, here uh, cigar, I want to know how it tastes. Yeah, at least yeah. better, you know, light it and smoke it first. Make sure before I walk <laughs> out here with it. Like, you idiot. Um, so, it, you know, it, there is this element with a, 
you know, with, with tobacco that is hand blended that comes out of a jar right. that you're, you know, buying and certainly in our type of environment at the Squire, you know, you get to, you get to smell it and, and see the cut of it and, and, and touch it perhaps. And, you know, and maybe even sample a bowl, you know, and try, try it a little bit before you commit to buying, you know, a couple ounces of it. But with a tin, you don't have that luxury. That's true. You know, you, you're reliant upon words of others, whatever description is on the can itself. And that's it. That's it. That's all you got. You know, even the artwork a lot of times doesn't, like we've discussed before, uh, sometimes it, uh, you know, kind of leans into what the tobacco is trying to do and is, you know, complementary to the tobacco or descriptive of the tobacco. But a lot of times it's not. And a lot of times for some of the best tobaccos in the world, there's no artwork at all or, or very crummy artwork. Well, yeah. and even the description factors, if you're if you're a new pipe smoker, yeah. you don't know what any of that means. You like, don't. And oh, it's a, a, you that's know, a, a good point. A bold English blend. So it came from England? You'd have no idea. You don't know what that means. Yeah, you don't. Like, uh, Virginia, like this is uh, the Virginias are very like. Oh, I see. Was it? Is it? Is it over there pining for the days of y'all? Like, what? What? What do you mean, oh, Virginia? Froghorn leghorn of pipe tobacco. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's tough. And then you've got you know folks like Samuel Gay with that don't put any description not a, not a at all. Thing. That's and it, right, it, they've yeah. got maybe two tins that have a description, and the rest of them it's just like this is the name of the tobacco. Take it or leave it. <laughs> It's like, you're going to spend 20 bucks on our hard-to-find tobacco. Right, right. You're probably not going to like it, and yeah. you're going to, you know, but you're going to buy it anyway and then sell it the rest of it on eBay or whatever. Or, <laughs> let me let me paint this picture for you. Let's say that you're a new pipe smoker. You happen to come in on Esoterica Day. Yeah. And you see that everybody in the shop is clamoring for, uh, I don't know. Stonehaven. Stonehaven. That's, that's, a, good, that's, a, that's a great example. Right. Actually. Okay. Everybody's clamoring for Stonehaven, and you happen to be in line and like you're like, oh, well, maybe I need to get Stonehaven. Yes, I, I need some Stonehaven. Let me get some Stonehaven. You got your like, you know, can of you know Margate in your hand, like a you know, like a dummy. <laughs> you're over there looking at the guy with Stonehaven and Penzance and Peacehaven, and you're right. like, well, I mean, that that guy's he's getting more love than me. Yeah. <laughs> and so like you go and you're like, well, yeah, let me get let me get some Stonehaven. You sit down. This is your first time smoking pipe tobacco. I I would wager, and I could be very wrong. Anybody who smokes Stonehaven, their first pipe. They may never smoke again. They may never smoke again. <laughs> so yeah, like That's just so, funny. so you can't even really trust the community or like the demand of the community from that standpoint. You know, that's a good point. It's like someone uh, says, "What's your oh, what, what's the best pipe tobacco out there?" That's the one I want to start with. Right. And it's like, no, you you probably don't. No, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the best one, like it's like a best Marvel movie. Like, well, the best ones are the ones where you've seen twenty other films first. <laughs> Because you can't appreciate it unless that's you've a good, seen. That's a good films. point. You know, yeah. you got to watch. Uh, you got to watch uh, a new hope before you watch Return of the Jedi or, or Empire Strikes Back. That's so, like yeah. this, this latest Spider-Man movie. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you got to see a lot of movies for that movie to hit the way that it's supposed to, to make hit. sense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, so we're talking about how you select your first ten. That's and, right. Uh, and having some fun with it, obviously. But um, yeah, you know, it, it, with the ten tobaccos, it's um, it is more difficult because you don't know the uh, the you know references that they're making on the back of these cans and uh, what kind of uh, tobaccos they're they're talking about. You might even be confused by, you know, terminology like the room note or mm. or your palate or, uh, you know, the def- definition of a blend or, you know, varietals of, of tobacco leaves that uh, that are described therein. And so that's hard. You also can't smell the tobacco. And then, of course, we talked about the artwork, too. And so all these things go together. So what do, what do we do? How do we start? Well, if you if you are just getting into pipe smoking, chances are you're going to want something that's easy to keep lit and that is at least mildly aromatic and is relatively 
smooth and easy on your on your tongue. And, and, you know, we call that kind to your mouth or your palate or, um, you know, something that's just very approachable that doesn't Mm. bite you when you, when you sip it. So when we think about that, a lot of times we think about Cavendish based blends, something that's very creamy and smooth. Cavendish is a, is a process really that tobacco goes through in order to make it. It's a steaming process on, on average that where you're basically taking tobacco cooking it in, in this way that makes it very mild, very tender. It absorbs flavors very easily. It's very smooth and uh, mellow. It uh, has a silkiness to it that's just very, uh, very pleasing, and it almost always smells good. So so a Cavendish-based blend is a good place to start. You know, we could point you to ones that are uh, a little more, you know, hard to find or, um, you know, ones that maybe are on the corners of the market that are, um, you know, not well known, but, but ones that folks really really go to and find it very enjoying is your first uh, aromatic tin tobacco that has that Cavendish element. And always do with uh, Autumn Evening from Cornell and Deal. Of course, you open this tin up and, and it smells like maple syrup. It really does. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, makes the room smell so nice and is very, very, very sweet. Um, another one that is that very, very sweet over the top uh, aroma to it is Molta Dolce from Sutliff. And, um, you know, so we've got tobaccos here that are very, very extreme way, sweet, syrupy, you know, they're going to be something interesting for your palate. And, and part of the thing you're thinking about when you get into the pipe is, oh, it smells so good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you smoke these tobaccos, you're going to experience that. You really will. And, and so, you know, it might, it might assuage you a little bit, the, the trouble you have with your pipe, you know, the, the room note might help make up for it a little bit. You know, that's a, that's a good places to start. So those blends are Cavendish based. They're aromatic tobaccos that have been cased or flavored with something. And so you'll want to start out with, with a tobacco that's probably in that in that vein, and, mm-hmm. and you know the tins on average will will denote that. So, if you're a cigar smoker and you're kind of coming to the pipe world uh, for the first time, or you know, or trying something in that vein, you may want to try a Burley blend or an English blend. There's some great Burley tobaccos out there, the Cornell and Deal Burley Flakes, or so many great burley tobaccos out there. Uh, you could also do a, a nice English blend, something that's, uh, you know, understated or, you know, something that's relatively full bodied. You know, I, I think off the top of my head, like a GLP's Westminster, of course there's Dunhill 965. If you want something a little lighter on the, on the Latakia, you know, th- those are, those are tobaccos that are good for folks that might need a little help kind of getting into the, you know, the, the smokier tobaccos, something that's more full bodied, bigger flavors, less aromatic, you know, those are good places to start too. Yeah. Do you, I know we kind of talked about this on our last Pipe Smoker 101 episode, but I, I struggle with wondering if the cigar smoker who's coming to a pipe, do they really want something like similar to a cigar? I feel like there's a desire. Yeah, we talked about that some. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm really we really need to put this out to the listeners more than anything else. Like, like if you're, if you were somebody who was more of a cigar smoker or let's say that you are right now and you're just listening. Cause you know, cause, cause the whole, like, you know, uh, pipes and cigars are crossover. Yeah, yeah. Cousins. Like we're like, there's a, in the same similar family, some similar wheelhouse. So maybe you're listening, you're a cigar smoker. You don't really smoke a pipe or maybe you smoke both. My, my question is this, because for me, I go for a cigar looking for a very different experience than for a pipe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm a, I love aromatics. 
you know, like just got all this wonderful sleepy hollow and I cannot wait to tear into that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I, and I love that. I don't know that I would want that experience from a cigar. Right. You know what I mean? And so I got to imagine it's kind of like the same thing. Like if you're a cigar smoker, are you really seeking out the same thing in a tin of tobacco that you would from a cigar? And a lot of times you're not, yeah. you know, I, I do think people go into the pipe from a cigar with just different notions. They, they might think on the, on the surface that it would be the same, but because it's not, they really do connect more with the, oh, well, the pipe smells good and it uh, tastes sweet and it's more of a uh, kind of an aromatic treat and it, uh, you know, is a confectionery kind of thing that, yeah, you know, I, I it, mean, I've mentioned it before, but when I was in Austin a couple like of years a dessert, ago, it know, is for it some is. people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was in Austin for South by before the apocalypse. I can't remember which year. And uh, we, I, I was in one of the shops there and I remember I was sitting in the back room of the shop. Yeah. Our boy Pete Prevost. Uh, he was doing a, a show, if I'm remembering correctly, in Austin, uh, or kind of like a display type situation. And, yeah. Um, a tabletop. Like a trunk show. Trunk yeah. show. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly right. And uh, and anyway, so he was getting set up. I was in like the back room. It was all these easy chairs with all these cigar smokers. And I mean, you walk in there and I mean, you obviously, you know, but I mean, like, like the listener knows as well. Like if you've been in a room with a bunch of cigar smokers, there's a certain smell. <laughs> you love that smell. Yeah. It's a stench and you love that stench. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's, no, that's right. That, it's got that cigar. But it's like, different. Smell. There's a heaviness to it. I sat yeah. down. I had just purchased like a, like a blend of like, I don't know, some vanilla Christmas, you know, from three years ago. <laughs> and I can't even remember off the top of my head who, who it was by. But I remember as soon as I lit that thing up, all the heads turn. All the heads turn. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying these dudes were mobsters, but you know that kind of like mobster type feel? <laughs> who's the guy in the corner? Hey, <laughs> who's this guy? What's he smoking? But like, it, but it was like, so it was mildly intimidating because they all like looked at me at once and then they're like, that smells delicious. <laughs> and it was just kind of this moment where I'm like, it is delicious. You know, like it, it is yeah. this, this moment where it's kind of like, okay, we're all here in this space. We're all enjoying, you know, y'all are smoking cigars, I'm smoking a pipe. But what we're doing and how we're enjoying it is very different. Yeah. And the way in which that kind of uh, comes to a head is fascinating to me because their smell, so to speak, was not offensive to me. I love that smell. Yeah, yeah. And the smell that I introduced was not offensive to them. Yeah, certainly. But they were very different. So anyway, I just, it's a tangent, but it's just one that I constantly think about whenever we think about Cigar folks, the cigar folks coming, coming into the, the pipe. pipe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, a anyway. lot of times it is a different goal. It's yeah. something that uh, folks, you know, it, it's not something they're going to do as often maybe as smoking a cigar. Right. And so because of that, they want it to be different. They want it to to be a, you know, a dessert cocktail kind of thing where it's just, yeah, I don't drink these very often, but when I do, it's special, you know, and, yeah. and I think for some pipe smokers, that is the case. So, yeah, you know, if that is the case and you do want something that kind of, um, you know, has more of that, uh, you know, syrupy, sweet, uh, nice room note to it that's a crowd pleaser going to turn heads. Another one to think about is our old Toby. Now, that that's one that obviously doesn't come in a tin. Uh, oh, but that's cheating right there. You know, which, which is cheating, <laughs> but uh, maybe I should put it in a tin. But anyway, that's something else to consider. So, you know, with tin tobaccos, again, there's those keywords on the back label that you kind of have to hunt for. Cavendish is a is a tip off that it's probably going to be a an aromatic tobacco, something that's flavored, something that's you know processed to smell 
nice, make the room smell good. Uh, typically, you know, on, on average, be a little easier on your tongue. And so that's one thing to think of. If you see on a tin of tobacco the words Virginia or Burley, what that denotes is more of a natural flavor, more of a more of the flavor of the tobacco itself. Now we have cheat ways around that, cheat codes, you know, where we can take the Virginia or the Burley and then flavor it with something. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the kind of this, you know, mixture, you know, hodgepodge uh, where, you know, it's got elements of both. But Virginias and Burleys on their own right, they just have this nice uh, natural flavor to them, which really create the basis of good pipe tobacco. And that's historically the case. Cavendish kind of came around at a at a later date. Those Virginias and Burleys, when we think of historic, good old-fashioned pipe tobacco that, you know, was issued to the, you know, the King's Navy men and, and uh, you know, also smoked by the um, the peanut farmer and everything else. I mean, you know, that's you just, you know, your, your classic pipe tobacco. The peanut right? farmer? The peanut know whoever okay jimmy carter or something whatever anyway so you know Uh, when when you think about those pipe smokers it's no they were smoking these um you know virginias and burleys it's just good old-fashioned tobacco you know Mm. something that's no frills and virginia tobaccos are going to have more of that tanginess to it and depending on the varietal of virginia it'll be maybe a little more ketchupy a little more vinegary or it might be a little more citrusy or it might be a little more plummy, and like we think of like black cherries and stone fruit yeah, and this kind of stuff. Yeah. So you know you can kind of go in these different directions, but think of you know more of a natural sweetness that's there. Burley is. You know, it's a chameleon. It takes on the flavor of a lot of what it's around, but in its own right, it's very bready. It's very toasty. It's thick and creamy. In some sense, has more of a mouthfeel element to it than a taste element, which is kind of interesting. Huh, yeah. Um, it, as I as I think about it, but the mouthfeel on Burley is very important. It's very thick and creamy and coats your tongue nicely. It's uh, it's got more of that again nutty bready flavor that is. Uh, you know, very, very pleasing. So if you look on the back of a tin and you see uh, descriptors like English, you know, Latakia, English blends are blends that feature Latakia as the pronounced ingredient. That's the ingredient that you kind of recognize the most in the blend. And, and they're, they're called English blends for some weird reasons, but, but the, um, (laughs) which at this stage in the game, don't worry about, yeah, just don't worry about that. But, (laughs) but the, you know, English blends, they have that smokiness that is a natural flavor of the tobacco, but it also is different in that it just has this, whereas more, you know, the Virginias and the Burley is going to have more of this kind of, uh, uh, almost vegetable flavor. It's a grassy, hay-like uh, breadiness, you know, whatever you're getting there. Uh, the Latakia and English blends, these are more uh, smoldery, campfire, smoky, mm. um, you know, things that are going to evoke, uh, you know, some some bolder flavors, richer, darker, uh, more oily flavors that, uh, you know, have a have a smokiness to them. I, I immediately, immediately think of peat when it comes to drinking a fine single malt whiskey, uh, you know, scotch whiskey or something where you get that peatiness that tastes like uh, dark burnt soil in a very pleasing way if you can imagine that and so um, a dark fire in Kentucky is also another blend or another uh, ingredient if you see that on the back of a tin you'll notice that as well you know it's full body just has a a nice smokiness to it a campfire essence that's really hard to to get away from it's very uh, very powerful those tobaccos tend to have a lot of nicotine and so um, so those are some those are some keywords that you can kind of be looking for. But, you know, it's it's hard, though, when you do pick your first 10, you know, you want to also be thinking about 
variety. So, you know, you go in, you buy a couple tins, you know, tins look different, right? You've got these uh, tins that are like thin little coins, you know, that you see in there. They're kind of these flat tins. Coin that, in shape, uh, but obviously not in size. shape. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're um, just these round or, or perhaps square uh, vacuum seal tins. And then you have these other round tins that are more like little canisters. And so... You're going to call them biscuits again? They're the biscuit can. Right, so, right, right, all right, right, give me, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Quick side note. Have yeah. have you or, or your lovely wife ever made biscuits using one of those cans? Never have. You need to do that. If you're going to keep on referring to them as biscuit cans, I feel <laughs> like you need to literally like clean one out sterilize it and use it to like to cut out the biscuit yeah, to cut right. out the biscuit okay. i still you know we had a listener who carved us those little biscuit cutters yeah no i know i still use that you still use that yeah. yeah 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 i think we've got ours somewhere yeah i actually make my biscuits by i, I roll them you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah anyway all right just uh, tangent over total but. tangent <laughs> that'll be on the biscuit episode uh that we Squire have select biscuit Squire <gasps> le- okay all right all right sorry i got excited that's its own <laughs> thing that's a different podcast my friend um and so you know we we thought think think about these um almost canister style tins uh that actually have a little bit of air in them and so um you know those are those are different types of tobacco uh sealing you know or packaging uh methods that that i think it would be good to be exposed to and so you know if you're picking out your first tins of tobacco um Maybe get one that's one of these coin-style tins that's a vacuum seal tin. Try that out and see how that affects your experience with the tobacco. And then also get one of these other style, the, the canister-style tins that you see from either Cornell & Deal or GLP's, Sutliff, uh, Sutliff Private Stock, that is. You know, get one of those tins that have, you know, a pop top, almost like you're opening a can of green beans or something. And, and see what that's like and how that is part of the experience as well. You'll even get a difference in the moisture level of the those tobaccos, you'll you'll sense, you know, is this one wetter or drier? You know, do these just just see what that's about? I, yeah. I think you'll I think you'll be able to tell some difference there. Yeah, I'm curious. Is there anything that you would consider to be a red flag when it comes to tens, hmm. especially for kind of a newer pipe smoker? Yeah, I mean, if it, if you are a newer pipe smoker, I would avoid anything that doesn't doesn't have any kind of descriptor on it, you know? Right. But having said that... Because you're going I, in blind. Well, I mean, you're just going in... A lot of times you're going in blind kind of anyway, but but yeah, I would, I would avoid things that don't, you know, give you any kind of information at all. But on average, you know, I can't really think of anything that would be totally off-putting. I will say there are certain blends that you probably just don't want to start with. Blends like Lakeland-style blends mm, um, okay, that yeah. had that kind of soapiness to them. Yeah. Uh, blends with, uh, we talked recently about Deer Tongue, blends that feature feature that. You know, you might initially want to avoid blends that have Perique in it. You know, Perique is a, a very pungent, you know, mushroomy tobacco that has that kind of sweet, spicy, sour uh, element to it that, you know, if, if, if you're new to pipe smoking that might be not where you want to start you know uh some people do start on those english blends that have that smoky smoldery flavor to them but most folks are going to start on an aromatic or something that's very you know very light and mild and um and i think with those the cavendish ones are the ones that uh that shine mm. so that's yeah. good well i mean i think you know as you mentioned having kind of some uh some diversity in your options picking up perhaps a few tens is a good way to go. And the great thing is, is you're kind of experiencing all of this as a new pipe smoker, you know, especially if you're listening to country squire radio, you're going to hear about all of these different kind of like flavors. And yeah, uh, you know, we've mentioned before the flavor wheel or the, um, the taste wheel. tasting wheel, tasting yeah. wheel. Yeah. 
And as you're trying to kind of pinpoint all these things, you want to make sure that you're getting all of those different aspects. And one of the things we recommend having in your pipe collection, like, yeah, you know, you want, you want kind of that ideal, you know, whatever it is, maybe it was Sherlock Holmes, maybe it was Gandalf or whoever it was, whatever that imagery of a pipe is, you got that. You got to have a quality corn cob pipe from our friends at Missouri Mearsham though, because using those pipes, you get a chance to get every single aspect of all of these flavors. You don't have to worry about ghosting. You can make sure that you're actually getting that cool smoke every single time. And of course, that is with a pipe from our good friends at Missouri Mearsham. That's right, man. You can go to corncobpipe.com and check out their entire selection. And they've always got a great selection and are always coming out with new and interesting shapes. The one we'll talk about today is the Huck Finn pipe. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love the Huck Finn. It's got kind of a smallish bowl. It's a barrel-shaped bowl and has a, a very thin uh, kind of pencil shank. Uh, it's almost a bing, if you will. It's it's got that kind of kind of Bing Crosby. <laughs> Wonder why shape you like it. it. I know, yeah. right? And uh, man, just a really uh, really nice uh, looking amber stem, which uh, which is very beautiful. So um, it's a it's a nice light pipe. It's something that's a good tasting pipe, and it's just long enough to cool that smoke down just a hair, which is which is always desirable. So check it out again. Go to their website corncobpipe.com, and uh, you can order one today. That's right. And special thanks to the good folks at Missouri Mirsham for sponsoring this show. Say goodbye to your credit card. Rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pipe question of the week. All right, Matt, we've got a pipe question in from Brian Wilson. This is a great question, I think, especially for you. And it kind of goes a little bit into what we talked about today, but but anyway, you'll you'll you'll, you'll see. Let me yeah, just, let me yeah. just ask the question. <laughs> just ask a question, Bo. All right, here's what Brian had to say: Is that hey guys, I have a question regarding what goes into the name of pipe blends. It seems to me that the naming of a blend must be as much a part of the artistic process yeah. uh, of, of blend creation as anything. There are some blend names that convey a kind of imagery, a kind of poetry, names like Black Mallory or Perfection. Mm. Then there are those that are more descriptive of what the blend is, like Full Virginia Flake or Virginia Number no. 1. John David, in your own experience, how do you create blend names? Do they come before or after the blend itself uh, is created? Thanks. And again, that is from Brian Wilson. That's a great question, Brian. It is a great question. And for someone who loves pipe tobacco, but also just, I don't know, it's kind of a 
kind of a storyteller at heart and someone that uh, likes a narrative and naming is important. It, it is, you know, you, there's an element in which you don't really know someone until you have their name, you know, and, and a, a, Ooh. a pipe tobacco. Well, we think, Whoa, whoa, whoa. say that again. Well, even in the old Testament, you know, the Lord revealed his name to his people and, and all of a sudden their world changed. You huh. know, it's just, yeah. uh, uh, you know, th- there's, there's some, there's power in, in names. There's, there's, there's real meaning there. Man. Um, you just got like, Crazy D. <laughs> well, maybe that's another episode. But yeah, but yeah I, I think there's something there. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah. now I say that, and then, you know, in a recent episode, we talked, we paired a tobacco with, uh, with a whiskey, and the name of that tobacco is RLP6, you know, or uh, 1Q, okay. or Dunhill 965. Yeah, okay, all right. Th- but- there are tobaccos like that that just have kind of these uh, nondescript, just numerical... But when were they developed? You know, well, they're old. Exactly. They're old. And I think yeah. that name conveys that. That they were a part of an era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it may not be as That's like good romantic, but that yeah. the fact that they have those kind of more of like a, you know, experimental, you know, it's been three, seven, one, five, twelve, A, B, whatever. Right. It it is. It's part like that name actually does convey something. Yeah. In in history, more so maybe than like in artistry. Yeah, I, that's actually a good point. You know, um, when we think of uh, John Cotton's number one and two or right. whatever, we even even old older blends that do have names like Presbyterian mixture, you know, Three that names. that name came about because it was developed in England for, oh, that Presbyterian minister up right. in Scotland. They right. were like, and so it just kind of came about because it was just practical. It's like, well, who, what tobacco do you want? Well, you know, that Presbyterian pastor up, up the road in Edinburgh, I want, I want his blend, you know, and that's how mm. that came about. And yep. so, yeah, I, I guess there's that element to it. Anyway, you know, the naming conventions that we have, they're totally arbitrary. There's nothing that goes into it except the creativity of the people producing the tobacco. And, and it is part of the fun of it. It really, really is. For me, generally, a tobacco comes before the name, but not always. I have come up, I have just been inspired by a name, and I've said to myself, I've got to create a tobacco that has that name. Do you have a couple of examples you'd be willing to share? No, I I, I don't. I have some speculation, but I won't say it if yeah, you're not. Yeah, I, okay. I, I don't. Okay. I, I like to kind of keep a lot of that to myself, okay. to be All honest right. with Fair you. But, but, you know... We, there, I might ask you when we're not recording. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But 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 eventually, yeah, yeah. occasionally, there are those tobaccos that um that that you just you arrive at the name first, yep. and you're like, man, that means something. Mm. That's powerful and evocative. And I, you know, I just we we need to create a product that goes with that because it's just it's just good, you know. But typically for me, there's a there's the the blend that comes first, you're inspired to make some type of blend and that has its own inspiration process. And then the, the name comes second and, and, but it's a very important part. It's like, man, this, this tobacco makes me feel this way. I, you know, or maybe your goal is to try to make the smoker, the end consumer feel a certain way mm, yeah. about selecting the tobacco, about experiencing the tobacco, about their identity, smoking that tobacco. You're trying to, you know, you know, portray something and all those things are important, have value. And so the, the name is a part of that. Yeah. It's just very important. So I think, um, for, for most people in the pipe community that, you know, are into this whole blending thing, they're, you know, we're kind of right brained 
tender-hearted people in a lot of senses, you know. Now, there's some people that are maybe right-brained, but not so tender, but that, <laughs> a lot of us are, you know, kind of creative types that, you know, enjoy the romance of life. And, you know, for me, the, the naming part is important. It, it's it's a critical part of, of what you're what you're trying to bring the listener into, or the, um, you know, the smoker into as far as the experience. So, so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this question a little bit because, yeah. you know, and to tie it a little bit more into our topic, you, when you develop a name, it's, it's really the name is carrying the tobacco because you, for the most part, other than with one exception, um, possibly more, but with one specific notable exception, you don't really tend tobacco or haven't at least at this point. Yeah, no, that's right. And yeah. I'm curious because, you know, you think about GLPs, obviously imagery has to go into, it's like, the, it's not just about the name. There's also an imagery that, that goes with that as well. Yeah. Do you have imagery in your head? that goes with kind of the naming of it? Sometimes I do. Yeah. Most of the times I don't, but sometimes I have had that happen before. Do you like, like Um, any, any particular uh, blends of note? I do remember when we named Parsons blend and this has been years and years ago. Uh, Parsons blend, actually the, the name, you know, came from the person I made the tobacco for. And so the tobacco was created out of a necessity. Hey, my wife doesn't like how my pipe smells in the house. Make me something she will. Right. Okay, we'll make that. Anglican priest, right? Yeah, that's right. That's and right. so, you know, it, so it's like, well, what, what do you call this blend? Well, it's kind of like Presbyterian mixture. I want that, what, I want that, what that Presbyterian pastor up in Scotland, what he has. Well, <laughs> I, I want, I want that Parsons blend over there. And that's, that's kind of how that came about. And yeah. so I remember trying to create some type of artwork at the time, our website, featured some artwork that I remember that that went with the different tobaccos Hunting Creek though, had a dog it had a dog I remember that that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. and uh and and the artwork for um the artwork for uh Parsons blend was a uh was was a was a kind of a nerdy looking you know very um tidy priest you know says <laughs> someone that just had a you know his uh his dog collar on and bespeckled and short hair and looked thoughtful and you know that just seemed to fit right you know again all this is very subjective but for i think most people that are in this space that the name is um it's a very important part of the experience yeah man and and i think too for the smoker i think for the smoker too oh yeah you don't want to smoke something that sounds stupid you know yeah could you imagine if like your favorite pipe tobacco was something like Lamo's disgusting house. Or it's candy bubble gum. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like you, you wanna you wanna be able to kind of say with pride, I smoke yeah. candy bubble gum, haha. Right. <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. Lamo's disgusting house. Yeah. Brian, what a great question. Thank you for that. That was good. That yeah. that was good. I it is kind of neat, you know, I do get because people are pipe smokers and you know, they're in this uh they they kind of have creativity and they want to share it with people that are our in on our end in the industry. I get phone calls from people where folks are asking or they're saying, look, you know, I have this good name for a pipe tobacco. Here it is. You should make a tobacco after that name. Use it. And, uh, and you know, there's part of me that's, you know, I appreciate them sharing that with me, but, uh-huh, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I kind of think, well, you know, it's, it's kind of my decision. I'm Dude, if you've so. heard half the podcast pitches I've heard in my life. Yeah. I, I've said, I'm like, <laughs> It's like, is there a big enough rug to sweep that under? Yeah. Now, some of the names really are great, but it's just, you know, for me, the, the tobacco generally comes before the name. That's right. So, that's yeah. right. All right. That's good. Brian, again, just great question. And hey, if you've got a pipe question for us, send it into the show. That is show at countrysquireradio.com. Quick fire with the squire. 
questions. Ow. All right, man. Quick fire questions from KT. This is part of KT's travel edition. KT's got us traveling all over the world. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, these these are awesome. Uh, all right. Are you ready, sir? Yep. Grand Canyon trip or a trip to the Grand uh, Teton? What's, what's a Teton? Te- the Tetons up in Wyoming. Uh-huh. It's a... it's. It's just the Grand Tetons. I don't like literally. I have no idea what that. You've is. never heard of this? No, I haven't. It's a mountain range. Okay, they're, they're mountains up in the Rockies. I know the uh, Appalachian and the Rockies. Just shut up. Appalachian, Appalachian. All right, so so Bo picks the Grand Canyon, <laughs> um, and and I actually also. <laughs> We lost all our Wyoming listeners. Um, <laughs> My apologies to the great state of Wyoming. It's I've heard it's beautiful up there. So Bo picks the uh, Grand Canyon. I do, and uh, and I also picked the Grand Canyon. Yeah, uh, even though I've, I would love to see the Grand Tetons, uh, the the Grand Teton National Park is uh, I've heard beautiful. And uh, so anyway, but yeah, my wife is from uh, Arizona and has uh, beckoned uh, me to go there uh, many times. So at some point we're gonna have to get out there. Never been to the state of Arizona, so I'd like to see like to see the Grand Canyon. And, and that that area for sure i went on probably one of the like most like collegey ever road trips that i went on was to the grand canyon yeah and i think it was over spring break it was me and some friends they all went to Millsaps. i was at i was at that baptist university in clinton right and they all were all in that presbyterian no that methodist university methodist, right. in jackson and uh we all loaded up a couple of guys and girls we all loaded up a car and we drove to the grand canyon we stopped along the way. we stayed with some mennonites Oh, our first night uh, on on the trip. That's fun. Best food I ever had. Yeah, Mennonites know how to cook. They do. They they, they generally do. Yeah, yeah. Can't work your cell phone, but they know how to cook. <laughs> and my apologies to our Mennonite listeners. Right, we're just kidding. Y'all aren't listening. Because <laughs> <laughs> how would you? How would you? Anyway, I think you're speaking about the Amish, but. I thought it was Mennonites. There's distinctiveness there. So, all right. So anyway. if you are a Mennonite listener, please We've write. Offended all of them. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And you're an Amish listener. That I, you know. What? Anyway, point is, we st- I'm pretty sure they were Mennonites, though. Okay. I think they do have cell phones. So again, my apologies to the Mennonite <laughs> listeners. Uh, we stay. We stay with them because they were the cousins of a friend of ours that was on our on our trip. So we stayed with her 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 family. Yeah. And uh, and they had like a guest house. It was cool. And then uh, the rest of the way we camped until we got to the Grand Canyon, where we hiked the Grand Canyon in a day. We literally went that morning. We got there bright and early. We walked down. All the way down the bottom, and then that we there about midday, and then we walked all the way back up at night. Wow! Yeah, uh, they got signs That's special everywhere saying "Don't do that," right? Because you know you you, you could die, right? And funny enough, uh, I don't know if you ever, uh, you know, like you said, you've never been to the Grand Canyon. If you can imagine it, uh, to walk down it, it's like walking downstairs. Yeah, to walk up it. Is like walking, like walking upstairs. upstairs Literally yeah. every single step is a step up, you know? Oh, and so you just, you're completely exhausted. Yeah. And at that point it was getting cold. I swear, I feel like, like the edges of the stairs were kind of almost like frosty. Cause <laughs> the thing is like, you kept on almost feeling like you were slipping, you were exhausted, you were yeah. tired and it's not like they have rails. Yeah. You know, so like if you go down, you go down, down and right. it's, it's all the way. Whoo, it was probably the most challenging thing I've ever done, but it was also one of the most rewarding experiences. Yeah. yeah. That night, man, I don't even remember the food that we ate. I just know it tasted like ambrosia. <laughs> I was so hungry at the end of it. But yeah, so Grand Canyon. That's uh, great. It's a, it's a, I, I would love to go. I probably won't be hiking it again. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad I did it once. Yep. 
<laughs> All right. Finally, uh, from KT on the travel edition, Napa Wine Valley trip or a week in New England uh, coastal region, the New England coastal region. Yeah, I, I, I've got to do Napa. I, I'm just I'm a wine guy. I, I, lo- I love I love wine. And uh, of course, the hub of uh, American wine uh, is that area. So, yeah. OK, this is tough for me because I, too, would like to expand my wine palate. Hmm. But have you ever heard of a New England clam bake? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So this is like where they get like clams and lobster and like potatoes. Like it's what we do down here. We do a crawfish boil, right? Okay. Well, they do a clam bake and they like smoke all of this like seafood under like, like I think like the logs, they put the seafood on top of it and they put seaweed on top of it. Or maybe they put seaweed on top of the logs and like the smoke comes up through the seaweed and they put more seaweed on it. And it's like, it's cooking like the, the clams and the lobster and the potatoes and the corn and all this kind of stuff. Number one, that sounds incredible. Number two, I can't wait for one of our New England listeners to write in and correct us and correct Bo. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not even like co-signing with me on this. Like, no, no, this is a Bo thing. Bo yeah, is, I think Bo, it's a Bo thing. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, I respect it. Uh, no, and I and I that's and that is absolutely fair though. That's what I'm saying. Like we we do crawfish boils down here. We do shrimp boils, but up there they do clam bakes. Yeah, and I've seen some videos on this. And I'm just, my jaw is on the floor. My mouth is constantly watering. I'm like, I I didn't even know I wanted to go to New England until I saw this. Until you saw the clam bake. Until I saw the clam bake. And I'm like, I that's just a culinary experience that I, yeah. I'm just, that's on my bucket list now. So I mean, yeah. like, that has to happen. So I'm I'm actually going to go with the New England coastal region. Okay. That may surprise people. Good. But that's, that's what I yeah, would. Yeah, it surprises me. Yeah. That's good. Anyway. So, but yes, our New England listeners uh, correct us, me, correct me if I'm wrong on on how the clam bake works. Or and our Napa Valley listeners, I'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's do both. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Hey, we're we're all uh, we're all for the travel, and that's been kind of a fun thing about this uh, this year. About this our... year, just dreaming about where we might go. Yeah, take man. the road on the sh- take the show on the road take or the road, road on, on the, the show. show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is to some extent that's part of it. Yeah, right? That's right. <laughs> that's good. That's right. <laughs> man. Oh, look, I love talking about these pipe smoking one on one episodes. I love uh, doing these topics, especially for kind of the the newer folks coming into the hobby, getting a chance to uh, you know answer answer some of those questions and hopefully kind of demystify some of the more yeah, yeah. intimidating aspects of, of the hobby. That's that's at the core. That's our goal. Of what we hobbies. do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. So good stuff. All right. Well, hey, if you are a new pipe smoker and uh, this you found this helpful, let us know. You can write into the show, show at countrysquireradio.com. You can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow John David at John David Cole. You can follow the shop at underscore Country Squire or the show at Squire Radio. But all that information and more can be found at countrysquireradio.com. <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba>. <laughs> well, hey, man, like I said, this is a good one. And uh, hey, let's go today. See you, brother.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 